Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of Grow With Soul. Today I have lots of your questions that you submitted via Instagram that I'm going to answer. It is perhaps a sign of the times that there seem to be a trend of uncertainty through all your questions. Just a kind of hint of worry and and feeling stuck. So I hope today can be a comforting episode that gives you a few new jumping off points. I'm covering overthinking, email sequences, decision making, channel planning and our old favourite, why, how, what. So let's dive in. Question one is what to do about overthinking everything I put out there, especially on Instagram and the blog. So I actually published a blog post about how to stop overthinking last week. So I will link that in the show notes for more detail on this specifically. But what's important when we're thinking about overthinking is what's on either side of the overthinking. So what's the cause and what is it stopping you from doing? When you understand why something like overthinking is happening, you can better understand, accept and work with it to get to the thing you want on the other side in spite of the overthinking. So for example, perhaps you're overthinking about what you put on Instagram because you're worried what people in your real life will think and then that stops you from talking about what services or products you have to offer and posting just kind of vague captions that aren't really engaging a buying audience. In this case, perhaps a conversation with those people in your real life will help to kind of tell them that you're feeling stuck around them and that perhaps they can ignore you for a little while or even just temporarily removing them from your follower list so that you can feel more confident speaking to your business's true audience than those one or two people you know are following you. Or maybe you're overthinking your posts because you want them to be perfect and you're worried about putting out anything that isn't your best or professional enough And maybe that in itself is a way in which your fear is holding you back from taking up space. In this way, you're stopped from showing up at all, or at least with any kind of boundary pushing unique content that you're capable of. So perhaps a way to get around the perfectionism is intend to share the works in progress and the messy stuff so that you can be sharing what you do in a way that you don't have to overthink because it's not supposed to be perfect. Okay, question two is a two-parter. How do you create an email sequence and choose an email service provider? So to answer both of these questions, we need to start at another one. What do you want email to do for your business? Is it to provide a place for your biggest fans to go deeper and get more access to you? Is it to collect a vast pool of potential leads to sell to? Is it to connect your shop site and 
and to more easily let people know about new stock and offers like that. So when we start with the result you want to have, you can more easily look for the ideas and then like the features of the software that are going to help you get there. So in terms of choosing an email service provider, think about what you need it to do and compare the features. So also take into account here your confidence and your branding. Do you want more flexibility with the look and feel and be able to customize it? Or do you just want some easy to use templates? So I was a MailChimp user for many, many years before the business and my other jobs, I always use MailChimp. But this year I switched to Flowdesk because they were a lot cheaper than MailChimp and also had much better design options like script fonts and nice kind of templates to use that kind of I don't know, MailChimp was feeling kind of clunky to me for a while, so I wanted something prettier. And if you do look up Flowdesk and you decide it's for you, then I've got an affiliate link because I use it and I'll put that in the show notes and that will give you 50% off for life, which is pretty good. (laughs) So in terms of creating an email sequence, this is again something to ask yourself why you want one. Email sequences are one of those things that we hear people talking about on podcasts and things and how it's the most important thing that's really got them where they are today and we feel like we're missing out because we don't have one. But in truth, complicated email sequences are a really, really advanced tactic mostly used by businesses with many thousands of subscribers who need them to be able to sift through all that data. So if you have 25,000 people sign up for a freebie on course creation and then another 25,000 sign up for a webinar about becoming a coach, you can't handle those numbers manually. And so you need email sequences to make sure that the right message is getting to the right people. If you don't have many thousands of subscribers, having email sequences more often than not will cause you more work than the benefit that you receive. If you only have a few hundred subscribers or you only have one core offering, then there's not really a lot of point segmenting your data because you're just going to have one or two people going through it. I personally don't have any email sequences because that's not conducive to what my email list is for. It's a place for me to connect more intimately with people and not a place where I'm driving a lot of traffic with a lot of different ads and trying to kind of build up that pool. So all I have is when you sign up, you get a welcome email with the freebie attached to it and then that's it. And then everybody else gets everything else. So rather than worrying about needing an email sequence and needing to get that set up, Think about why you want it. Think about what you want your list to do now and then plan for the best way to get your desired result. You don't have to do anything. Okay, question three. How do you make decisions when you are feeling stuck? So for example, deciding whether to design your own website or outsource it. So I also published a blog post on how to be decisive a few weeks ago. So I will link to that in the show notes as well. But the key thing is that indecision and stuckness aren't the problem. They are a symptom of the deeper problem of unrootedness. 
when you are disconnected from your core values, your self-trust is weaker because you're not anchored to anything. And therefore, you don't trust your decision-making capabilities and you go round and round in a circle trying to weigh up the options. It's important to remember that there isn't a right decision or a wrong decision. You're not going to pick something and then some invisible boss is going to swoop down and tell you that you failed and you're not allowed to have a business anymore. It's just down to you, which you can either feel scared about or let it take the pressure off. Remember also that no decision is final. You're not signing your life sentence away with every decision you make. You are trying something and if it works, that's great. And if it doesn't, then you can, you've still got the other option there to try. We put so much weight on decisions when really they're not quite as important as our fear would have us believe. So take this question about whether to design your website yourself or hire someone to do it. To take the weight out of this decision, don't think of this as your final forever website that must be perfect because it won't be your final forever website. Things will be changing in years to come. You'll have different branding, you'll have different offerings. Like it's just going to change. Your website should never be a finished thing. So really this is just a version one or maybe a version two. If you're tight on cash or you're not sure exactly what functionality you need yet, it makes sense to just design it yourself for this version. Give yourself a tight deadline and then if you design it yourself and you hate it, all you've lost is maybe a month. But you gained an understanding of what you really want to be able to what what you want to be able to use it for to better brief a designer. And even if you make your version one of the website yourself and you know it's not quite perfect but it's doing it you can always hire a designer for version three or four in a few years time so don't let the decision be more important than it really is okay next question do we really in all caps have to do the all the channels which is the most important No, you really don't have to do all the channels. In fact, I would say that you're better off not doing all the channels. When you're trying to do everything, you are spreading your energy, your time and your effort really, really thinly and not showing up in the best possible way anywhere and therefore not making any great headway. It's kind of like you're walking up and down a road rather than actually getting across it. And also not every single possible channel is going to suit your skill set or your business or your ideal customer. So if you're trying to do something that you're not very good at, which for me would be trying to do video or YouTube or something like that, or where your customers aren't even hanging out, there's no point. (laughs) It's not going to make a good impression. You're not going to be showing up as your best self and people might not even be there to see it. When I first started my business, I had three channels, Instagram, blog, email list. And that was it. That was all I did for about a year. Um, And then I added this podcast in about a year in and I started doing a little bit more outreach. And after about two years, started using Pinterest more. (laughs) And I, I outsourced that. But I don't use any of the other social channels. I don't do any video, as I said before. So really you've got to start in a few places you can be amazing and slowly add in some options where it feels natural to do so. 
As for the second part of this question, I know that all anybody wants to hear is these are the three most important channels, just focus on these and all your dreams will come true. But unfortunately, there are no hard and fast rules. The most important channels differ from business to business. So I dabbled with Facebook quite early on and it did absolutely nothing for me. Like nobody wanted to be there. (laughs) Nobody was interested. Whereas I know other people for whom Facebook is really a cornerstone of their business. This podcast is one of my most important channels, but I know that if you make soap, then having a podcast will really probably make little sense for you. You need to figure out your most important channels based on two factors. One, where can you be the best? So is photography a huge strength? Are you great at chatting and connecting? Are you a more confident writer? So in those ways, what channels are the best fit for your skill set? And then two, where are your customers going to be? The reason that Facebook didn't work for me is that none of my customers really use it, but they do listen to podcasts. So it's easier to put yourself where your people already are than to try and convince them to join you somewhere they don't want to be. There's a lot more depth about exactly how to locate your audience like this in the customer kit. So I will also link that in the show notes. There are going to be a lot of links. So the next question is a quick one, which is how did you find your why? So personally, I think it's less a case of finding a why and more a case of uncovering it. It's already inside you. It just takes a little bit of scraping back and excavation to reveal it. So my why has also developed and shifted over the years as I've been getting to know myself and my work. So I don't think you get to a definitive point of a final why, but just the one that is most true for each moment. Where my why is now is slightly different to when I created the Purpose Kit 18 months ago and it's different again to when I first started. So when I first started out, it was a lot more about helping people do things by themselves and to create their own dream. And so it was a lot more practical in that way. And then over time, it's really grown into this place of helping people do what they want. (laughs) Well, helping them trust themselves and not listen to should do's, but just do what they actually truly want and uncover what that even is. So it's linked, but where it is now is really a sophistication of where it started and it might get to a place that's kind of even more specific. Yeah, so it's always been based in the reason that I wanted to do this in the first place, which is help people get the life they want via a business. So I wouldn't say that it's something that I could say, this is how I sat down and found my why. It's having always been conscious of it, tuning into it, spending a little bit of time now and then when I start to feel myself disconnected, just to kind of get back in touch with it and yeah, keep it at the forefront of my mind to always be conscious of it, but accept that it's going to be shifting. Okay, next question was, How do you actually find clients with two question marks? So with this one, personally, I would flip the question. When we put the emphasis on finding clients, we get this kind of really 
finicky energy where you know every new follower or subscriber we kind of vet as a potential client and are they going to book us and we feel like we need to sort of send creepy dms and pitch emails to people to kind of be finding that client and that doesn't really make anybody feel good I don't think so my approach has always been to be a magnet not a spearhead so rather than ask how do I find clients why don't we ask how do clients find me? How can you be a lighthouse for your ideal client? What problem are they struggling with or result do they want? And how can you create content that will attract their attention based on that? Where are they already getting their information and inspiration? And how can you put yourself there so they can stumble across you? What shareable content can you create or word of mouth can you encourage to help spread your message among the right people? You know, even what ads can you put out to enable your right person to find you? So really it's feeling less like you have to go out there and find individuals, which can be a really kind of challenging thing to get your head around. And just think about how you can be the mountain, how you can be the lighthouse and attract people to you. Now, this is something that is really covered in great depth in the playbook. If you are a coach or a teacher or whatever you do facilitates a change in others, that's all about how to kind of shine your light brighter. So again, I will pop the details for that in the show notes. Next question, how do you stay motivated and stay the course? So first of all, I think it's important to not expect to be motivated at all times. There's this feeling that if this is the dream, in inverted commas, it should feel exciting and motivating all the time, but it's just not realistic to expect that constant level of energy from yourself. So let's switch up this question too and think, how can I keep going even when I don't feel motivated? So with that question, it's all about knowing your most efficient and effective tasks what are the things that work the hardest for you so you can prioritise them in times of low energy? So for me, this is my email newsletter and my podcast. They're the things that I know have the most impact for the effort that I put in. So I will always do those things first rather than try to push myself to get all motivated to create new things or be all over Instagram or whatever else if my energy is really low and my motivation is really low. Sometimes the hardest work you'll need to do in your business is hold on when you're not feeling motivated and when things aren't going your way. Really staying connected to your vision is going to be what's important here. So how you want to feel and how you want your life to be. Try to bring some of this vision into your everyday to make it not feel too far away because that in itself can be really demotivating. So for example, that might just mean taking an afternoon off to sit in the garden or play with your kids or it might be actively bringing half an hour of creativity into your day every day. So when the day-to-day gets boggy, get out of it and go back to the dreaming and reconnect to what it was all for. And also never underestimate a break. (laughs) Have a little check-in with yourself, cut out the things that you're not enjoying and allow yourself to miss the work. 
and that will help you to get back into it. Okay, next question. My business why has no logical connection to the how. How do you market this? Do you just pretend there's a different why? So with this one, I would have a rethink about how true the why and the how are, because if they're not logically connected, then I'm thinking, what's the point in having done the exercise? So the idea with why, how, what thing is that it makes every part of your business aligned with purpose and making sense in a way that gives you flexibility. If you've essentially just made something up to tick that box and move on, then it's not going to have the desired effect and you'll just end up tied up in knots down the line. So I would ask yourself here, which one is more true? Did you make up a why to fit with a how you were committed to? Or is your why strong, but the how feels like all you're able to do? And side note, by the way, if you are listening and you're not sure what I'm talking about with why, how, what, there are some early episodes which I'll link in the show notes about finding your why. And also if you go to my Instagram profile, there is a highlight called why, how, what, which will explain this a bit more. So in the first instance, so making up a why to fit with a how, revisit why you're so committed to that how. The truth of your overall business why may actually be in there. So why is this the way you're so keen to make an impact? Or on the other hand, is the how really right? What might happen if you took it off the table for a moment? If you suspend reality for just a minute and all your beliefs about yourself, what would it actually make sense for you to do to enact your true why? There may also be something else going on here too, which is the difference between an inward and outward purpose or why. We all really have two whys, what we want for ourselves and the impact we want to have. So for example, my inward why is that I want personal freedom and stability from my business, but my outward why is for others to let go of should do's and do what they truly want. So they're linked, but they're not the exact same thing. So it might be that you're thinking of your inward why as your business why, and therefore it feels disconnected from your how, because, you know, essentially we're doing this because we want to make money, right? Um, And yeah, that's not a very motivating thing to connect to a how. So try thinking about how your how connects to the impact you want to make and keep it really focused on that. Okay, and now this is our final question, which is how do you and should you push through the fear of not getting enough people to buy your course? And so I was thinking about this and my thoughts were, is this really more a fear of the unknown than a fear of not getting sales? So if this is your first course, then You don't have a bank of evidence built up to stop yourself freaking out about it because anything could happen and your brain is just going straight to the worst case scenario. But knowing who asked this question, you don't worry about, you know, booking enough students into a class or booking enough one-to-one clients because you've done that before. So you kind of have that security of the knowledge that by the law of averages, it will probably happen again you don't have a guarantee that anyone will buy your course, but nor that anyone will book your services. 
So the only reason the fear is centered around the course is because it's new. So in these situations, we have to disconnect from the result and focus on the action. You can't control whether or not someone buys. You can only control what you do. So focus on making it as easy as possible for people to make that decision. Think about what doubts or questions they might have. Answer those through your sales copy. Create content that tells a really valuable story. Keep showing up throughout your launch period with what people need to see to make that buying decision and answering their questions. Don't focus on the result. Just focus on the actions you're taking. And if no one buys, you know it wasn't because you didn't try. So maybe you then need to look at the timing or the price point or the format and see if you can tweak it into something that will better suit your audience. If you just kind of withdraw, then you can't know for sure what were the reasons. If no one buys, you just know you need to try something else. And no one is going to know that it didn't work except for you. And if only a few people buy, and I know this is something that people worry about, like what if only three people buy it? Well, then those people get really exceptional value for money with lots of attention from you and you get some more valuable feedback around what they wanted from it and maybe where you can focus it more in the future. So that's really a win-win all round. So rather than let the fear stop you from showing up and thinking that no sales will be a complete disaster, try to look at all the opportunities that can come from being brave here. And that's that for today. I hope you enjoyed the Q&A. I always love to do a Q&A. But yes, any links that I mentioned, and I know there were a few, will be on the show notes on my website, which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast and you can find me on instagram at simple and season if you have a friend who you think would really love this episode please do send them the link and share where you're listening online too and until next time i hope you grow with soul <laughs>